0: Good afternoon. My name is Karen Sampson-Hoffman, and I'd like to welcome you to today's Ask the Expert webcast, Getting Organized When You Have ADHD. We are welcoming Susan Pinsky, author of Organizing Solutions for People with ADHD. The Ask the Expert webcast series is presented by the National Resource Center on ADHD, which gives the general public access to top clinicians, researchers, and other professionals. The National Resource Center is a partnership between CHAD and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and serves as the national clearinghouse for the latest evidence-based information on ADHD. Please contact us at 1-800-233-4050. It is a privilege to introduce today's guest expert, author and professional organizer, Susan Pinsky. Ms. Pinsky specializes in helping those affected by ADHD and chronic disorganization. She works closely with medical professionals, trained physicians, and others on appropriate organizing methodology for those who who cope daily with disorganization. She is also a member of the National Association of Professional Organizers. Ms. Pinsky lectures frequently on organizational issues and has appeared nationally on television, radio, and in print media, and was recently named to the Better Homes and Gardens panel of organizing experts. Miss Pinsky, if you would like to begin.
1: Thank you. In my naissance as a professional organizer at the beginning of my career, I had a client, an artist. Um, this woman was wildly creative, terrifically intelligent, had boundless energy, uh, but no matter how uh, diligently we would set up an organizational system, when I would return the following week, it was uh, completely often undone and sometimes worse than before we had started. At the same time, my husband and I were beginning to notice that my eldest daughter was having difficulty functioning. Although uh, her younger sisters, the kindergartner and second grader, could get dressed, get their lunches in their backpack and get out to the bus stop in a timely fashion, their older sister, the fourth grader, would still be sitting on the floor of her bedroom staring at her socks. My daughter was soon after diagnosed with ADHD, and I began to take my skills and training and experience as a professional organizer and attempt to modify the systems in our home to better serve her challenges. Um, As I began to create these systems, I noticed that my artist client had a lot of the same symptoms and behaviors that my daughter was demonstrating. So I began to apply the methodologies I was using for my daughter in the home of the artist, and for the first time, we had success. So, why is it that my daughter and this client and many others like her were unable to take advantage of sort of the usual tips, tricks, and tools of the organizing profession? As it turns out, not all organization is good organization. Let me give you an example. I could organize your shoes by putting all of your left shoes in the attic and all of your right shoes in the basement. Hey, it's organized, isn't it? But as we see, it's inefficient. As it turns out, organization is an equation. It's a shuffling of time, space, money, and effort. When we are organizing for those with ADHD, we want to give the most weight, the most value, to of time and effort. So efficiency is our battle cry. We subsume all other values to that most important value, efficiency. That means creating systems that have the fewest number of steps, the least amount of effort. They are simple in that they are streamlined. When they are streamlined and simple, they are maintainable and manageable. Let's go back to the the, the shoe paradigm. Another client of mine, when I came in, uh, she had tried to organize her shoes by putting them in clear plastic boxes, which she had stacked in her closet. It was very space efficient, but it was not effort efficient. The first time she went to get a pair of shoes from the bottom of the stack, uh, she had to undo that entire stack. She never did manage to restack it, and the shoeboxes were all over the living room. It was just an, or a bedroom. It was just an inefficient system. So the the system we instituted for this client is we reduced the number of shoes she owned to a number that would fit in a single row along the back of her closet. Her new maintainable system was to walk into her bedroom, tow off her shoes, and kick them into the closet in one motion. She didn't even have to bend over. It was an extremely uh, efficient and maintainable system. It was not a pretty system, uh, but it was a maintainable system. As it turns out, in order for her to do this, we had to, again, reduce her shoes. She had to be uh, resourceful and resilient. She had to be resilient about having only one pair of black pumps as opposed to five, and she had to be resourceful with the fewer shoes she had and how to put together an outfit. But it turns out that reduction is the shortest path to efficiency. It is the most clear and straightforward way to get there. If we reduce, we encourage resourcefulness and resilience, while rejecting other values, such as hyperfrugal, or beauty, or hypervigilance, um, or even overprepared. Uh, prepared sounds like it's organized, but in an ADHD home, preparing for eventualities that may never happen is a waste of time and effort. I once heard a Tupperware commercial, it may have been Rubbermaid, in which the uh, announcer stated, buy our 50-pack of Tupperware. You will be so organized because you will be so prepared. Whether it's a drumstick or a roaster, you will have the correct size container for any possible volume of leftovers. Well, here's what I know. I know that if you have 50 pieces of Tupperware, you're not organized. You're drowning in clutter. If you have 50 pieces of Tupperware, you are nesting the various sizes to fit them into your cabinet. The lids are being stored separately. You're probably going through some enormous Rubik's Cube juggling act to fit it all in and fit it out. You can't share chores because nobody else in the household knows which lid goes to which container. Um, My sister-in-law once said to me at Thanksgiving, brilliantly, if you have leftover Tupperware on Thanksgiving, you have too much Tupperware. It made so much sense. Why shouldn't we be resourceful with a little bit of saran wrap and tinfoil a couple of times a year rather than be buried in all this Tupperware? For most families, I recommend about six containers of Tupperware. Obviously, there are exceptions. Um, But if you have six containers of Tupperware, that's three nights of leftover food. By the fourth night, it really is time to throw out the four-day-old food. The golden rule of organizing is that inventory conforms to storage. In an ADHD home, we want inventory to be less than storage. Uh, If inventory conforms to storage, then all of your stuff fits comfortably on your shelves and in your drawers. If inventory is less than storage, then we have empty drawer space and empty shelf space. Why is that? Because organizing, my friends, is about the last step. The way we stay organized is by putting things away. It is the maintenance step, that creates organization. There is no organizational system you can set up on this planet that will continue to work unless you maintain it by putting things away where they belong. So when I'm organizing an ADHD home, I am trying to uh, simplify that last step. I'm trying to make it easy, one one motion, no juggling to put things away. On the slide you see before you, if we look at the left-hand cabinet, it looks very tedious to empty the dishwasher into that cabinet. On the right-hand cabinet, however, It almost seduces us. It almost looks fun to empty the dishwasher. Well, the left-hand cabinet, while you and I or other neurotypicals might perceive it as tedious, people with ADHD would perceive it as torturous. What for uh, the average person just appears tedious for those with ADHD is a torturous and huge effort. We want in an ADHD home to reduce that effort. We want to make those torturous tests. We do not want to draw them out and make them fussy, making it difficult for the ADHD family member to maintain the house. In order to do this, we have to give up a lot of pretty stuff in order to make pretty spaces. The end of every uh, task is garbage. A garbage is a finishing task. Finishing the, the finishing task is usually the most tedious part of any chore. It's fun to take out the paints. It's not so fun to clean the paintbrushes. Uh, so, for, when I walk into an ADHD home, what I often find is that 40% of what I am doing is getting rid of the garbage. Why is it still in the home? In the home because the garbage system in the home is too complicated or awkward uh, to encourage the client to get rid of the, the, the garbage. Uh, an example of an early home I had was a it was a woman who uh, was complaining to me about her husband. Look, at you know, he drops the banana peel on the, on the counter. Here's the the dirty paper towels on the counter. Why can't he put it in the garbage? When I asked her to show me the garbage, she walked over to the sink, fiddled with a child latch, even though there were no children left in the home, opened the cabinet, and then awkwardly stuffed the paper towels into a covered garbage can under the sink. Well, no wonder this husband wasn't throwing out the garbage. All the effort it took was it was a clear waste of his incredibly valuable time, effort, and attention. So we took the garbage can out from underneath the sink, we took off the lid, and we put it in a prominent place. Now the husband can wing a banana peel into the garbage can almost as easily as he can drop it into the counter. In fact, it's almost a little bit fun. It's, you know, banana peel, basketball. Did we get perfect compliance? No. But we got a lot better compliance. And the wife, uh, who would still has to clean up after him a little bit, was less resentful because even for her it was less effort. In an ADHD home, uh, we want to make the home efficient for everybody, because they're because the other family members are going to have to be supportive of the of the a d h d family members uh multi step tests are extremely difficult for those with a d h d laundry is a is a big horrible multi step task, and the finishing part of it the most difficult part the most tedious part is putting the laundry away um, in many homes, I do what we've done here. I put, we put open bins on a wall in the bedroom or the closet because believe it or not, even opening the bureau drawers can be enough to, to stymie the client who then throws the laundry on top of the bureau. If we have open bins, the client can just pick up their laundry from the laundry basket and wing it into the various bins. The briefs can be in a crumpled ball in the brief bin. As long as it's just briefs in that bin, it's organized enough. In an ADHD home, even better is the enemy of good enough. We're not looking for perfection. We're looking for maintainable. Now, I know that in this picture, this gentleman's clothes are folded, but he did that for the picture. For the most part, his stuff is crumpled in these bins. I do want you to note on the bottom right-hand side where the socks are, we threw out all of his perfectly good socks. doesn't seem very frugal, does it? Uh, and replaced them with some medium-weight khakis and medium-weight black socks that he could use in summer and winter. Every black sock matches every black sock, and every khaki uh, matches every khaki. In this way, we have completely eliminated the sock-rolling chore. Sock-matching and sock-rolling was a tedious chore that was not worth my client's time and attention. We've also reduced this man's uh, wardrobe so that all of his clothes fit for both seasons. He never again has to pull down bins from the attic and live with them underfoot in spring and fall. Uh, in every ADHD home, I really attempt to reduce the laundry to, the, to an amount uh, that makes it necessary to do, the, to do the laundry once a week. So rather than have six weeks' worth of panties, we have 10 days. If We have a regular scheduled laundry day. Uh, people get pretty, you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're out of clean underwear, you are forced to do the laundry, and a single load of laundry is very simple to do. It's when you wait six weeks and have 10 loads of laundry that it becomes overwhelming. In most homes I walk into, I find a hamper of shredding. I don't know why it's always a laundry hamper, but it always is. Uh, Why is that? It's because the news media runs 24-7, and on slow news days, they pull out their favorite canard, the uh, identity theft scare story. Um, Identity theft is scary. So when it comes to your Social Security number, and your date of birth, and the occasional pin number, by all means, destroy those documents. You can do that by putting a Sharpie pen through your Social Security number, tearing it in half, and putting the back half in the kitchen garbage, and the front half in the in the uh, bathroom garbage. Honestly, it's only about 10 pieces of paper a year. When you file your new taxes and your seven-year-old taxes, you know, need to be carefully destroyed. Everything else can just be thrown out. Uh, those credit card uh, bills, well, you're, you're giving that credit card to four strangers a week anyways. Who's to say the waitress can't carry it behind the counter and write down the security number. Your bank account, that number's on the bottom of your checks. It's a public number. You're giving it to, to uh, strangers anyways. Yes, it might be hyper-prudent to shred all that stuff, but an ADHD home, even better is the enemy of good enough. Um, what I do do for my clients, though, is that if you look on the far right-hand side, you'll see a deep bin. That's about a foot deep. We take all of this discarded paperwork and we just put it in that bin. Um, and we wait until that bin is filled before we dispose of it. It usually takes about a year. That way, my client has a lot of comfort throwing things out, knowing that if they make a mistake, it's easy enough to dig down into that bin where it will be uh, available, filed chronologically, if you will. 80% of what we put in our file drawers, we never look at again. Filing is a finishing task. For my clients, filing is a waste of their time and attention. They, the, uh, the amount of effort to put into file a paper that they're probably never going to look at again is just not worth it. So I encourage my clients to use the slow recycle, or slow garbage as I call it, uh, and eliminate most of their papers. Now I'm going to show how some of the same tricks I'm, I'm going to use with uh, children. Fortunately, a lot of schools are going to a virtual and online homework, uh, so this is becoming a little dated. Uh, But for those of you who are still living in a paper paper system, as you can see, this mother was encouraging her son to file his completed homework, a complete waste of his time. Instead, we put an empty milk crate below his desk in September. We encouraged him to throw the completed homework in there when he was emptying his backpack. We kept the milk crate there until June so that if uh, he made a mistake and that unit was on the test after all, he could dig it out. Again, this is just a way to make it easy to get rid of garbage so the clutter is not in your backpack and you have a sense of security so that you're, uh, you feel comfortable getting rid of those things you no longer need. Just as in the kitchen cabinet for the adults, we created space here uh, in the children's area. We want to do the same thing. My husband, uh, who grew up in the 60s, had a toy box full of toys and thought that he, uh, that he was rich with toys. Many children today have an entire playroom full of toys. It's an FAO Schwartz showroom down there. Nobody could maintain it. If you live in a home in which there is a designated playroom space with a door on it, uh, then I suggest you take all the toys in the home from the bedroom to the uh, family room and you put them all in the playroom. There should be toys nowhere else in the house but in the playroom. That will make the rest of the house easy to pick up. In an ADHD home, we want every room in the house... Uh, able to be picked up in under two minutes. We want dinner to be uh, cleaned up at the table in 10 minutes with the entire family pitching in, and there's no reason the whole family can't pitch in. But a toy room is never going to be able to be picked up in under two minutes, so we need to ghettoize the toys there and close the door. In a smaller home or an apartment, you're going to want to reduce the toys to the number that will fit on a tall bookcase. Your daughter only has two hands. How many Barbies can she really play with? She only has two Barbies, the heads will soon come off, and she'll get the excitement of having a new Barbie by throwing out the old one. Children are stimulated by new toys, not by having mounds and mounds of old and broken toys. Um, You'll notice also these are open bins so the kids can wing their toys in at pick-up time with one single motion. It's the banana peel garbage paradigm. On the left, we see a very beautiful system for storing these Legos and they're beautiful bins, but let's face it, they encourage dumping. The first thing you're going to do with that bin is dump it over, making a mess before you've even begun to play. And in an ADHD home where the uh, parent probably doesn't have a lot of extra time, we don't want to make unnecessary messes. The low shallow bin on the right uh, discourages dumping because it would be awkward to pick it up. Even if we triple the amount of Legos in there, the child would still be able to see them in one simple layer. There's no reason to dump them over. Uh, when your child goes to clean, if they have ADHD, they may need you in the room lending them focus. However, I found an egg timer often works very well. You set it for three minutes, and you say to the child, okay, you're going to race the timer. Clean up as fast as you can. hurry, hurry. Hurry. When the timer bings after three minutes, the child is done. I, it doesn't matter if the room is done. You have to stick to your word, mom and dad. The, the job is done. But if you've reduced in the home, honestly, any room should be able to pick up be picked up in under three minutes, and probably the, the child's uh, room will be done. Look, structure and routine are a drag for us all. They just sound like a drag, don't they, structure, routine? But it is too much work to reinvent the wheel every day. So I suggest routine. If Wednesday night is bill pay night and you know you come home and attend to your bills, then the rest of the week you get to relax because you know what's on your schedule. If you're ADHD and Wednesday you get home late and things have slipped and you didn't get to it, which, let's face it, is going to happen, you can relax because you know what's on your schedule for next Wednesday. And by next Wednesday, you'll feel some sense of urgency since you didn't do it the previous Wednesday. Uh, Structure. You know, we live in a consumer society. They are throwing – they are attempting to get us to impulsively buy – And for people with ADHD who tend to be a little more impulsive than the average population, uh, it's it's even more difficult. I uh, I suggest that we battle this by not purchasing anything that doesn't live for some period of time on a shopping list. Don't purchase anything you haven't already had an imminent plan to use for some period of time. Let's use groceries as an example. If we have a running grocery list in the kitchen and everybody knows that if the eggs get low, it's their responsibility to write eggs or bread on the list – Then we only purchase those things that we're running out of. When we get to the grocery store, if we see that uh, milk is not on the list and we think we're low on milk, I recommend we don't buy it. If you get home and discover, you know what, milk wasn't, uh, it turns out we're out of milk. I should have bought it. That's okay. You can be a little bit resourceful and resilient and have toast instead of cereal this week. Uh, The marketers would have you believe that running out of something is a tragedy of organization. I say it is a triumph of organization. If you are running out of needed items and being resourceful and resilient with the items that are left, then your cupboards are uncluttered. You are not wasting tying up a lot of money and wasting a lot of money on items you don't need anyways. It is not a single inefficiency that bedevils us. It is the, it is the aggregate of a thousand inefficiencies. It's the overcrowded drawers. It's the juggling the, the, the tchotchkes to empty the dishwasher. It's the sorting socks. It's the filing papers you don't need. When you are organizing your home, uh, your ADHD home, challenge every tool and every system. How many steps can be eliminated? How much simpler can this task get, uh, can can we? How, what do we have to sacrifice to get it down to one load of laundry per person? Well, that might mean that your son's tube socks are not going to be whiter than white because you're just going to throw them in with you're going to throw the darks and the lights in together. But maybe that's a worthy sacrifice in a home where we're struggling to keep up on the laundry. In organizing for ADD, efficiency is our battle cry. Look at every system in terms of efficiency. How quickly can I can I put things away? How much work does it take to maintain this system? But here is the irony. Even with efficiency as our primary goal, even eschewing all of those other values of beauty and frugality and hypervigilance, uh, the irony is, is that if you reduce and if you are efficient, uh, if its cleanup is efficient, then your house will be beautiful because it will be cleaner and maintainable. And if you are only buying from your shopping list, you will de facto be frugal because you are not purchasing things merely because they are on sale or they caught your eye. If you are throwing things out quickly in your office and routinely attending to your paperwork, then you are prudent because you are paying your bills in an efficient, uncluttered space. And and, And if you're purchasing from your shopping list, you're also, frankly, being green. You're living lightly on the planet by only purchasing those things you actually need and not those things that have just caught your eye um after uh i had uh developed my system for my daughter i ended up uh presenting the system i was asked to present the system in various groups and i finally did write a book about it organizing solutions for people with adhd it is very difficult to address every possible uh scenario in a 20 minute <laughs> lecture so uh please feel free to go to the local library you needn't buy it you only buy what you need uh and look at the book if you if you uh you know feel that you want other Uh, tips and tools. Uh, Thank you very much, and I'm ready for your questions. We have questions.
2: Wonderful. Well, our first question now comes from Mary, and she was saying that it feels like in her house, things don't have permanent places, and as a result, there are a lot of duplicate items. How can a family with ADHD members pare down on items so that there are fewer ones? You were mentioning early on in your slides about... uh, Having too much Tupperware at the end of Thanksgiving. How does the family go down? Paring,
1: about paring down. Um, you know, I suggest that it be done room by room and project by project within a room. So, if you are, so begin by scheduling, let's say, two days to do a bedroom, and then do the shoes in that bedroom, and then do the jewelry in that bedroom, and then do the the uh, clothing in that bedroom. The job is not done until the stuff you've pared down is actually out of the house. That doesn't mean you're setting it aside to send to your sister in Connecticut or that you're uh, you know, going to take the Hummels to the Hummel figurine dealer on the south side of town. It means putting everything in the nearest charitable donation bin that will take everything. Uh, you know, In an ADHD home, we have to streamline getting rid of things so we can't be fussy about it. In terms of duplication, within any room you don't want duplicates. So one fry pan is enough, one can opener, the electric or the hand can opener, not both. However, we can duplicate in various rooms. So, a toilet bowl brush in every bathroom, because it's not efficient to walk around the house with a with a, with a dripping toilet bowl brush. I recommend a scissor in every room because they're used in every room. Uh, does, does that does that begin to answer your question a little bit? I think it does. I think it's a a good way to get started, just paring
2: down to, as you said, only one if one is needed and only one in a, a place where it lives. I like what you just said about having a pair of scissors in each room.
1: Right, but not having too many, but no, but there's no reason to have three scissors in each room, so we don't want to duplicate in the room, but we want to keep things where we use them. Great. Well, our next question now comes
2: from Stacy, and she and her daughter tend to fight about uh, towels. They always
1: seem to end up on the floor. Yes. And she was wondering, <laughs> well... So I, I familiar, lived, I have doesn't lived your it? pain. Yes, yeah, Stacy's mom. I have lived your pain. I have three little girls. Yeah, you know how did I come up with these solutions? I made all these mistakes. You know, I mean, it wasn't like I didn't live through this. I have three little girls, and I was doing mounds of towel loads. I don't know what it is about a little girl that they seem to think that uh, one 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 use is enough, and then throw it on the floor. So here's how we solved it. I reduced the number of towels in the home to two per. per Two per long haired person, one per short haired person in our household, that turned out that my husband only had one towel, so everybody had you had a hair towel, if he had long hair and a, and a and that towel then they were color coded by the bedroom, so we could identify them pink in the pink room, purple, in the purple room, et cetera uh, that, that was your towel, and on the back of the door in your bedroom were two hooks. you can even just get the over the door hook so you can buy it you know Kmart or whatever uh, you do not even have to install hooks, and the rule was that after your shower, a clean a clean towel on a clean body was good enough and could be used many many times. So after your shower, you you wore your towel back to your bedroom and you hung it up behind your door. And when you went to take a shower, you took that towel with you. When your regularly scheduled laundry day came, you threw that towel in with your laundry. I never did another towel load because people did their my family did their towel loads with their own with their own uh, laundry. Now. Did it happen that someone would forget and throw their towel on the floor and there would be this grubby, wet, ucky towel? Yeah, but you know what? Even the ADHD child didn't like that and very quickly learned to, to hang up her towel. The consequence was so uh, rude and so simple that the the child modified her own behavior. I mean, to this day, the, the towels in my house are two per person. That's pretty good.
2: Two, per, two people? person, I think that might yeah. also go back to helping to pare down items in the lo- the linen closet.
1: Right. And again, two per long-haired person. My husband, who's bald, doesn't need a hair towel. So he has one towel. And it's a very
2: important towel, I imagine. <laughs> well, we have a, a one of our participants um, says that you mentioned the book title just a little bit ago. and was hoping you could repeat the title of the book and where a person might be able to find that.
1: Um the book is available on Amazon, you know, at, at uh, Barnes and Noble, all of your local bookstores. And the name of the book is Organizing Solutions for People with ADHD. Um after I wrote the book after I wrote the book, I you know, interviewers kept saying to me, but these solutions would work for anybody. And in fact, uh the publishing company came back to me and said, We've had so much interest, can you write another one for sort of, you know, neurotypicals, if you will. And I said, well, it would be the same book because what, what I've come to realize is why are any of us being inefficient? Why are any of us buying stuff on impulse? Why are, why are any of us spending time, you know, fussily doing things in the, you know, repackaging our groceries and Tupperware so it matches and looks pretty when it already comes in a perfectly good Cheerios box? Uh, so I now apply those those same precepts to any home in which I'm organizing, whether it's ADHD or not, and even in my own home. But I did write the second book because the publishing company wanted me to do it, and that's uh, The Fast and Furious Five-Step Organizing Solution. It's the, same, it's the same message. It's a little less draconian. All right. Well, I think that's a, a book that a lot of people are going to be interested
2: in. Our next question comes from Carl, and he says that a lot of the tips you've just given are great for uh, kids and for families, but do you have any tips for adults who work in offices? What can a person do to organize their work?
1: I, I do. I one of the things I recommend is the using the the idea of the body doubling. Team up. People with ADHD tend to be. I mean, this is just anecdotal, but what I've noticed is these are really sharp cookies. These people are really smart. They're unbelievably creative. They are idea generators. They generate ideas uh, so quickly uh, and so brilliantly. What they're not so great at. Is the finishing task? is the tedious stuff that the paper pushers, cross the tiers, dot the are People like me. You know, I, I don't generate the ideas, but I'm pretty good at picking up after you. So team up. You have a big project at work. Team up with a. You can generate the ideas. Team up with someone and make it clear that, that you're not good at follow through. You know, be honest about where your uh, where your difficulties are and find. You know, and delegate and find people who can help you with that. I think it was Malcolm Gladwell who was uh, wrote an essay that. They, you know, We used to think, oh, try to build on your weaknesses. But really, you're, you're much better off playing to your strengths. Be honest about your weaknesses and play to your strengths. Well, here's a question that uh, hopefully plays to one's
2: strengths and happens to be near and dear to my heart. Uh, one of our participants was wondering if you have any tips on washing dishes from a family or an individual doesn't have a dishwasher. I know this is a little off topic from keeping the cubicle clean but it is one
1: that kind of plays together. How do you keep up with the dishes? Um, yeah, well, uh as it turns out that it, it is most efficient in any home to to really do the dishes every night. Um, if you don't have a dishwasher, you can you can have a dishpan next to the sink that gathers the dirty dishes during the day, but at the end of the, but at the end of the dinner, everybody in the family should wash the dishes and clean up the kitchen so we start fresh the next morning. If everybody does it every night, it's a ten-minute chore. The other thing that happens is that if uh, if we're doing that, if we are washing the dishes every night, when someone comes later in the evening, they're able to you know use the use the kitchen efficiently if there aren't a mound of dirty dishes, and it keeps the dishpan keeps the dish the number of dirty dishes down to the number that's in the dishpan. So it's really about routine. It's about washing the dishes every night and doing that together. I. You know, when my oldest, again, my oldest had ADHD. At about seven, I realized that she could probably help with the dishes. The minute she started helping, I realized, you know what? If this kid can do it, I think the five-year-old can do it. And sure enough, and the minute the five-year-old started, I realized, you know, what? if the five-year-old can do this, I think the three-year-old can do it. My three-year-old daughter had to stand on a chair to dry the dishes with her towels. But you know what? She could do it. It wasn't perfectly done. <laughs> she, on one occasion, I caught her using the dish rag as a to wipe up her snotty nose. Uh, but it taught her good skills, and it was excellent family time. By the time the kids were teenagers, many of the really important conversations we had as a family happened while we somebody had their hands in soapy water at the sink. So I recommend family dish time after dinner and a, and a dish pan at the side of the sink to catch dirty dishes in the meantime. All right. Well, it sounds like in addition to building good routine and good life skills,
2: um, the dishes are clean, having that routine and having everyone going. Right. And I know that uh eight dishes can pile up quickly in homes where there is ADHD and in homes where there is not. The lack of the dish do that too. Right.
1: Well and it's, you know, it's it's you know, again, it's, it's it's like the previous caller who said I want to find a home for things. The dishpan creates the home for dirty dishes. It's a place to it's it's a it's it's like throwing the banana peels into the garbage can. It gives you a goal, it gives you a target. Um, you know, for that person we didn't really talk so much about, you know, store store things where you use them. It's a way to to ask yourself, where is the home for something? And I'm going back a little bit here, but it occurs to me this might be helpful to her. Um, People think that when I walk in, I'm going to wave my magic wand and create these complex and fabulous systems. But really, I earn my money when someone picks up some doohickey and says, I never know where to put this. Where should I put this? And how I get there is I ask them a series of questions. Where do you use it? Who does it belong to? So, for instance, birthday candles. Nobody knows where to put their birthday candles. They're throwing them in the junk drawer. And, uh, you, know, where do you, you know, can we put them with like with like? Well, where is the candle drawer in the dining room? Maybe they could go with the candle drawers. Are you a baker with all sorts of little baker doodads? We can throw the birthday candles in with the baking doodads. Uh, ask yourself to find a home for an item that you're not sure that's been floating around the house for some time. Ask yourself who owns it, where are other similar items like it, um, and where do you use it? Who does it belong to? I think I repeated that. Well, our
2: next question is coming from Susan, and it follows up really nicely with what you just said. She has recently moved, and she has boxes everywhere, and feels overwhelmed. Where should she?
1: Where should she start? And
2: and what can she do at this point?
1: Um, Well, Susan, I hopefully the boxes are at least in the rooms they belong in. Hopefully that you know they were labeled bedroom and the box and the bedroom is in the bedroom and the box that's in the kitchen that's in is in the kitchen. If that is the case, then again, you go room by room. The very first thing you need to do is pull out your calendar and clear it. Really you shouldn't be doing anything else until your house is unpacked because it's too difficult to live in a house that isn't packed. So for all of the week forthcoming weekends, clear your calendar and unpack and move into your house go room by room with the with uh with the boxes hopefully if they you know if they've been marked well they're already in the rooms they belong to but even if they aren't clear a room at a time so get the bedroom up and running so it's easy to live in the bedroom then walk to then go to the next room and open the boxes in that room and unpack that that room so that let's say the kitchen is now easily up and running uh don't don't scatter from room to room unpacking in every room at the same time Get one room up and running so that you can live comfortably in that room, and then build on that.
2: Well, we have a question from Stacy, and she her work has her on the road pretty frequently, and she's wondering if you have any organization tips for adults who work on the road, um, especially adults who may work on the road and work out of their cars.
1: And work out of their cars. Um, you know, as it turns out, packing is the one thing that I really hate to do. I think it's the one way in which you know I, I feel the pain of the ADHD community. I just find it torturous. So one of the uh, ways to reduce the pain of packing is to not is to is to always remain packed, if you will. So I always have a toiletry kit that has all of my medications and a second, you know, a toothbrush, toothpaste, everything I would need, so I don't have to tediously pack my toiletry kit every time I go. Uh, this is a good instance where, you, where a duplicate, you know, a duplicate of everything you need in travel size, in the toiletry kit. Um, I know when I go uh, on, a, vaca- on, on a, a business trip that I'm always going to need pajamas and a bathrobe, so I keep those in my suitcase. If my suitcase is already half packed with the things I need on every trip, it becomes easier to pack for the next trip. Um, in terms of working from your car, you know we live in a digital age, and for people with ADHD. It has been a wonderful thing having uh, you know iPhones that have alarms on them, having calendars that sync, having reminders. I mean, it has changed the way people with ADHD uh, live. Um, and my you know my clients teach me about this. I'm not that great technologically, and I am constantly amazed at how cleverly they are you know applying these apps to 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 help with uh, their life. So if you're living on the you know What that also means, though, is that you can't get away from your email. So one of the things I think that I I would do is I would schedule. I would have routine. I'm on the road. I come home from dinner. I take out my laptop. I give it an hour. But then you also give yourself an hour off. If you're working from your car, that's particularly difficult because it's such a confined space. So the, the most important thing in terms of the car is get the garbage out. If you're eating in your car, the next time you leave the car, you bring that garbage with you. I would recommend against even having a garbage bag uh, in the car because even though that would give you a target, what happens is the garbage bag begins to overflow. So the most important part of living out of your car or, you know, functioning out of your car is that every night when you come home, you give yourself 10 minutes to clear out that car. Just like doing the dishes at night, you want to clear the decks so the next morning you can function uh, easily. When you come home with your car at night or, uh, you know, park your car wherever it's going to be, You clear it out so that the next time you go in, uh, you enter the car if you have to function out of there, you've got the space and the breathing room to do so. Well, we've got two questions
2: now. One is from Jane and one is from Elizabeth. And both of them have high school students. And Elizabeth was wondering, how do you help a high school student who feels most comfortable when she's surrounded by stuff and she doesn't want to reduce her belong? And Jane's student has a very messy school locker, evidently things are getting lost, and she was wondering, how do you encourage organizing that school locker when they're very narrow and it's hard to hard to find things in there?
1: Right. Um, so, let's go back. The first student, uh, remind me what the first student's problem was. The first problem is she seems to feel most comfortable when she's surrounded, surrounded by, by, stuff by stuff that okay. the mother okay. does. Right. Okay. So, here we have, uh, so, ladies. I had teenage girls. You know, um, Nothing is perfect. You, If you yourself live in a home in which you've reduced stuff and that stuff is not important, experience is important, you're going to teach a little bit through osmosis. You can't tell your kids to get rid of all their clutter when you have all of your clutter hanging out. Um, but beyond that, I, you, to some extent, all you can do is say to your child, especially by the time they're a teenager and you're creating a boundary is, your clutter must stay in your bedroom so that they have to live with the consequences of their clutter. But when they come out of the bedroom, at least the kitchen functions well and the basement functions well and the family room functions well and the office functions well. Um, Unfortunately, you have to let go of the reins a little bit when they're teenagers and let them live a little bit in their own clutter. Uh, I would recommend, you know, again, you're in an ADHD home. You know, one of the things I've done recently kind of, again, learned it from a client is uh, painted all the walls in my home a bright and fun colors, because if you're not going to have a lot of stuff around, then you want to make the home uh, pretty with with color, and color on the wall gives life without presenting clutter. So the daughter who wants to be surrounded by stuff, I might explore with her, look, what if we got rid of a lot of the stuff, but we painted your bedroom a fabulous color. We got you a, a new bed, bed, throwing out the old one you know, in a, in a glorious color. You reduce the amount of things she owns at the moment, um, but the things that she does own, you make special and colorful. uh the child who's having locker issues again i wish I wish I had the perfect answer for this. I just don't I would help I would help the child again when they walk through the door. They may need your help emptying their backpack every night when they come in through the door, even though it's a high school kid. This is the kind of body doubling and lending focus uh that we talked about in the slides. Having them get into, if if their backpack is empty when they get home, then they're not emptying their backpack into their locker. Um, Yeah, it means more work and more support from mom, but it also teaches them a good skill and a good routine. Again, it's about getting rid of the garbage, right? Emptying the backpack, getting the garbage out of there, getting the candy wrappers out of there so they don't end up back in the the lockers. Some of the schools, the lockers really, frankly, are too small for the volume the kids need. Uh, You know, there's really nothing you can do about that.
2: Well, we've got one question to follow that up, and this one's from Patty, and she has a student in middle school, and she was wondering about organizing the binders for school, a notebook, a lot of information. Right. Any suggestions on that?
1: Um, yeah, I found uh, with my, you know, children, watching them go through it, and then with, you know, my client's children, wherever possible, now sometimes the teachers are very clear about exactly how they want it all organized but wherever possible, I prefer one binder and, per child rather than a binder for every subject. It's just too easy to lose a binder for every subject. It does mean that the, that the single binder will be quite thick, and again, it means that you have to service it more often. You have to, as a parent, support when they come in, you know, let's pull out everything you don't need in here anymore and throw it in the, in the milk crate under the under the, the um, bin. In a perfect world, there are school systems now that are going to, almost completely virtual so what happens is the, the kids come home from uh, school, they log in, they hear the lecture at home. The lecture is essentially a, a podcast, if you will. Um, then when they go to school in the classroom, they do the homework, so they have questions. if they have questions, the teacher's there to answer the, the questions. The nice thing about that is there's no, what is my assignment? I've lost my homework. Uh, it's extremely ADHD friendly. So in a perfect world, <laughs> you move to that school to a school district that's gone very virtual, uh, but if you but it obviously, you know, that's that's not uh, workable for everybody. All right,
2: well thank you. Uh we've got a question from Heather and a few other of our participants had a similar question. A minute ago you were talking about going virtual and then and also the individual who works out of their car and using their smartphone, using their tablets and so forth. And Heather was wondering if you have any suggestions for apps. It would be helpful in getting organized staying
1: organized. Right. So, here again, I am, you know, I am not particularly technologically savvy. Um, but what I ha- but what I have learned, I have learned from my clients. Again, people with ADHD tend to be pretty brilliant and tend to be pretty tech savvy. Um, so the apps that we have found to be, you know, or that I have found among my clients to be the most helpful are the alarms. Repeating alarms, so if you have, you know, medication you have to take every day at a particular time of day, setting up your iPhone to, uh, you know, to go off at that time of day with a different, you know, I've got one client, she's got, she has to give her dog medication, it comes off as a little bark, so that she knows it's the dog's medication, as opposed to just the same ring for every possible chore. Also, uh, essentially the snooze button on these apps, so that when you have an alarm app that that you know, it goes off, but you can't attend at that moment. But five minutes later, it goes off again, and that gives you another shot at doing whatever that task is. Uh, I really recommend that, every, you know, I think at this point, I've what I've come to is that, uh, I, you know, I'm not shilling here for Apple. I'm not getting any money for them. But become an Apple person so that your computer, your phone, your tablet all sync together. Having access to your calendar On any device, and having access to your email on any device is going to make your life simpler. All right. Well, and also, in addition to
2: um, Apple's syncing systems like that, the Android system also does that. If you use any of the Android or Google products, same thing. You can sync them to your tablet, to your smartphone, to your uh, desktop. And you're right, it is a big help for so many people. Well, our question now is coming from Ellen, and she has two children, and they share a bedroom. I'm sure this sounds familiar, also. Yeah. yeah. One one of her kids has ADHD, and the other doesn't. She was wondering how do you encourage them to be uh,
1: organized and to keep that
2: system going?
1: Well, you know, for a again, I, I you know, I've made all these mistakes. Um, every home is different, and she may have no choice, but. I had three little girls, and for a long time, my middle child was a very practical kid. I had share with the older one thinking that she would help her, help her get out the door. Um, turned out to be kind of a disaster because it slowed down the, the one kid uh, and made the other kid feel sort of nagged at, if you will. When I switched so that the ADHD kid had her own space, it was much the, the home was much more harmonious because whatever mess she made only affected her, and the others uh, you know, didn't have to feel responsible for their. I mean, they did feel responsible for their sister, but in this case where it wasn't critical, they didn't have to feel responsible for her. I understand that that may not be possible in the space uh, this this parent and child have. Um, so, in in any organizational system, it is easier to keep to maintain a system if we don't share spaces. If I share my desk with my kid, then when I go to organize my desk, I have to make an appointment with my kid. It's very inefficient. Here we have a shared bedroom space. As much as possible, we want to separate. We want the kids to have each child to have their own bureau, each child to have their own bed, each child to have their own desk. I don't think it's saying too much to go ahead and put a piece of tape down the center of the room so that the child who is not ADHD can manage her space very separately from the child who has ADHD managing her space.
2: Well, in space management, here's our follow up question. One of our participants, her husband has an extensive collection. We don't know what he's collecting, she hasn't shared that. He has an extensive collection of items that are important to him, and she's wondering how to keep that collection from taking over their house. Uh,
1: Again, here we're going to talk about boundaries. So, in order to have an organized home, we have to have boundaries in space. In an organized home, the dishes live in the kitchen. The clothes live in your closet, not in your son's closet, in your closet. Um, the tools live on the workbench this This particular gentleman has a has a collection. We have to find a boundary for his collection. so if his collection is motor parts, they live on a shelf in the garage. They don't live in the garage and the basement and the kitchen. If his collection is hummel figurines, then we get a curio shelf in the in the, in the living room, and they live on the curio shelf in the living room. But a boundary must be drawn, and it's a conversation that they're going to have to have together about even, even if his this collection is motor parts and they live in the garage, there still has to be a limit because others, the landscape tools also have to live in the garage, and athletic equipment needs to live in the garage. So they need to go out to their garage and say, how much space do we have for this collection? How much space can we afford for this collection? They can put up shelving so the collection is multiple levels. They can create, in a single footprint, they can create five levels of shelving, but then the, the husband, once the, the boundary has been set, needs to keep his collection within those boundaries. If it's a reasonable boundary... Uh, and we have a reasonable gentleman, it really shouldn't uh, be a problem. The problem is that, you know, often enough is that people have collections. Uh, so let's say you've got, you know, your unicorn, uh, glass unicorn collection. That's fine if it's all in a cabinet in one room. The problem becomes with the glass unicorn collections on every is on the kitchen counters where people are trying to uh, cook, and it's on the desk where people are trying to pay bills, and it's on the bedside table where you're knocking it over when you're going to grab a tissue. If the Glass unicorns are all in a curio cabinet, again, sort of ghettoized, separated, uh, within a boundary, within a drawn line, within their own home, then they're not going to be an irritant to the rest of the family. All right. Well,
2: moving from collections of glass unicorns, we've got several people who have very similar questions. And the main question is, how to organize notes and paperwork and not become overwhelmed? We've got students and office workers who are wondering what to do about email. We have a couple people wondering what to do about uh, organizing to-do lists and using to-do lists. One has mentioned that she keeps losing the list and has started writing them over on scraps of paper and is losing notes. So when it comes to all of the paperwork, all of the notes that we deal with daily, what are some general suggestions for
1: these groups of people? Well, I'm a big believer in the to-do list because I don't think any of us can juggle all this information in our brains. But the first place, the, the most important to-do list, a place for your to-do list is on your calendar. If it's a to-do tomorrow, it should go on your calendar. If it's a to-do next week, it should go on your calendar. The only to-do list that should exist for today is today's to-do list. Um, now, that being said... Uh, you know, so, I, so, in the beginning, so in the morning, you may want to write down for yourself quickly, yeah, I've got that doctor's appointment, I wanted to pick up the laundry, I've got to go finish that project at work. Uh, and by the end of the day, that to-do list should be obsolete and get thrown out. Um, again, this is where I think you know, the, the technical world has changed the way our to-do lists are happening. Uh, but I do find that some people don't really respond to the visual on the computer, so they may need a paper calendar. Make a paper calendar large enough that you can, you know, read your notes. And I like a paper calendar that has a little bit of a, an area at the side where you can sort of asterisk if you've got some notes to make about. Okay, so for me, for instance, I might have a client next week, and I've written the client's name down, and then I put an asterisk, and then the notes on the side. I say, okay, remember to bring rubber gloves or whatever it is that this particular client, uh, you know, uh, needs. Uh, in terms of paperwork, keeping the paperwork down. Get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it. Emails, delete, delete, delete. Uh, Most of what you're keeping you don't need. With uh, many of my clients, it's really hard for them to keep up with deletions. So we make an email folder that's just called Archival 2013. And At the end of the year, they take all their 2013 emails and they just throw it in the Archival 2013 folder and start fresh on 2014. Uh, The beauty of the computer is it's it's out of sight. uh, So you don't, you know, it doesn't... Uh, the paper stuff, you really do want to get out of the house, but the computer stuff, you can throw in an archival folder um, when it gets... And you don't need to sort it any more than that. We don't want to get too fussy with, you know, this is my travel folder, and this is my kids' folder, and this is my... You can all just go into an archival folder in one in one big shift-click swoop. All right. Well,
2: in, in that idea... We've got uh, a participant who is asking how to schedule her day in order to keep her home organized, in order to keep her home uh,
1: picked up and, and an attractive sort of place instead of the clutter taking over. So, again, you know, just like the last question, which I have, unfortunately had to be kind of general because all of these questions really are very specific to everybody's homes and you know, specific to your space, specific to your life, specific to your home, specific to your habits. So let's assume this woman, since the talk I just gave was sort of geared toward mothers of young children a little bit, let's assume that this is the mother of young children. Uh, once again, the way to to, to stay on top of this is routine. When my kids were young before they when my husband when they were home with me and my husband was off at work uh at four o'clock before Daddy came home, we all scurried around and picked up so Daddy would walk into a clean house. It wasn't really that my husband cared; it was that it was a good you know it was a good moment in the day to get that done because dinner was coming, and we knew we were going to have another big cleanup after dinner once the kids were in bed. My husband and I would walk around and pick up whatever was was left, so we would go we would we would fall asleep in a clean home if it's done daily. It's not that big a deal, so the the goal is to do small amounts of daily maintenance. I know it sounds tedious, I know it sounds horrific, but if it's done daily, it's two minutes and it's three minutes. If you've reduced your items so that it's not that big a deal to pick up, it's almost fun at the end of the day. uh It's not sexy i wish I wish there was something I could tell you I wish there was I could tell you buy the buy a robot that's going to clean up for you, but the issue is routine: clean up after every meal. Clean up, especially after dinner. Once a day, walk around the house and pick up everything. In terms of laundry, have a laundry day. In terms of grocery shopping, have a grocery shopping day. I recommend, uh, again, it's all about getting the garbage out. I recommend having a uh, grocery shopping day the day after garbage day. So if garbage is on Tuesday, you, you have leftovers on Tuesday night, or you have leftovers on Monday night, you clear out the fridge, and then t- Tuesday when you grocery shop, You're able to empty into a clean fridge and make an easy list because you're not filled with all that leftover clutter. All right. Routine.
2: Well, routine. Always routine. And that's one of the things that is suggested so much as far as the behavior management aspect of ADHD, establishing routine.
1: Well, I didn't question. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just I remembering you know, early on uh, talking to a client who was saying, you know you know he he came to it on his own, he realized he literally could not function without routine and that it was distressing for him to go on vacation because he was so discombobulated by not having his routine so on the one hand, you know routine sounds like this drag on the other hand, it's a lifeline
2: well, on the idea of lifeline, we've got a question from Melissa, and she has Uh, Two children, siblings, and they have very different expectations for how clean and organized the space should be. It sounds like uh, their room. And she was wondering, how do you help them? when One of them has ADHD and the other doesn't. How do you help them find that uh, happy medium? Well, again, so are
1: these children sharing a bedroom? I believe so, although she hasn't said specifically. Okay, because if they're not sharing a bedroom... And everybody needs to mind their own business. The child with the neat room can have their neat room, and the child with the messy room. And again, even the you know the child with the messy room, depending on the age of the child, uh, you know the parent's going to have to help somewhat. And as the child becomes a teenager, you have to disengage a little bit uh, and let the child have independence. Just creepy at some point when your mother's folding your underwear and you're 18 years old. Um, not that anyone should ever fold underwear in an ADHD home. Uh, to some extent, the children have to mind their own business in their own rooms. It's, it's, in the shared space, however, the rule is whether it's the kitchen, uh, you know, or the dining room, where maybe they're sharing the dining room table to do homework. In a shared space, you have to pick up after yourself because it's in, you know it's inefficient for me to come to the kitchen and do the dishes if there's already dirty dishes in there. That's inefficient. That's why we do the dishes right after the, the meal, but. If somebody, but you know what? If it's my own inefficiency, it's my own dishes, and I'm living alone, so what? It's when my husband or my child comes to the sink where I've left the dirty dishes, and now they can't make themselves a meal without cleaning up my dirty dishes. Now inefficiency becomes inconsiderate. So in shared spaces, a certain standard has to be set by the mother, and the standard should be consideration for others. Other people do not pick up your stuff. You must pick up after yourself. Um, I would also recommend that there, you know, be regular chores that the family share in the home. ADHD children do better when they're working with other people. So, you know, my daughters all cleaned the kitchen together. And it wasn't just doing the dishes. It was, you know, sweep up the crumbs and wipe down the counters. Uh, Yeah, the ADHD child would wander off and her sisters would yell at her, Esther, get back here. Uh, But because she was doing it with them, she was doing more. She was getting more done than she would have done on her own. You know, we tried that. This, you know, okay, you do the dishes this night, you do the dishes the next night. That didn't work out because she couldn't attend to the task without other people there sort of keeping her on task. So there's going to be shared family chores like dinner dishes or cleaning the garage or raking the leaves, and the ADHD child is not going to be as effective, but she's going to be as effective as she can. And in her own space, uh, depending on her age, you know, you can let her, let her roll a little closer to her comfort level. Well, we are at our last
2: question, and this one's going to come from Wes, but he, I think his question covers a question a lot of people have had, where can someone find a professional organizer who focuses on ADHD issues? Where would you you suggest someone look for a professional?
1: Well, NAPO, the National Association of Professional Organizers, has a website. You can go to the NAPO website and click on Locate an Organizer, and it will give you a list of organizers within, you know, you can set it like a 50-mile radius. On that list, people, the organizers, uh, give their specialties. And many of them, one of the things, you know, many of them specialize in ADHD. And any professional organizer who specializes in ADHD has read my book and Nancy Kohlberg's book. We're the only two books out there on organizing for ADHD. Uh, that being said, this is a pretty personal relationship. You know, I'm up to my elbows in someone's underwear drawer, and I'm in their tax folders. So you have to be comfortable with the person. It's like a therapist. Not every, you know, not every, not every group couple is a marriage. Uh, you may have to go through one or two people to find the one that uh, appeals to you. You know, organizers by nature like to organize. We want to be a little bit fussier, right? One of the reasons my daughter had difficulty is I was, you know, I was over fussy with my organizational systems. I like it all neat and lined up in a row. Uh, you have to find an organizer who doesn't want it, doesn't want to be over prepared and cross index, but someone who just slapdash says, you know what, do what you need to do with this piece of paper and get rid of it. We're not going to worry about just in case you need it later. We can reacquire on that one percent chance you need it later. So you may have to vet a couple, but go to the Napo website. Locate an organizer. Look for one that specializes in ADHD. Hopefully, you'll strike it, you know, it'll be love at first sight with your first organizer. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ms. Dinsky.
2: I think this has been very helpful. I know I've been taking a bunch of notes on this side of the screen. And I think you provided a lot of ideas for our participants who are trying to become more organized. Well, thank you. It 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 was a real pleasure. It was a pleasure to have you, and I think this has been very helpful. This has been a presentation of the National Resource Center on ADHD. Thank you, Ms. Sinsky, for being with us today. To our audience, thank you for joining us, and we hope that you all enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much, and have a good day. This is the end of our webinar.
1: Don't forget to rate us on iTunes so we can continue to bring great content to you. Why are older adults
2: the fastest growing population to be diagnosed with ADHD? Is there such a thing as adult onset ADHD? Get answers to your questions at www.helpforadhd.org. That's www.help and the number four, adhd.org.